Hey dog people of the internet, welcome to Cog Dog Radio, a podcast all about dog sports, behavior, and training. I'm your host, Sarah Stremming of the Cognitive Canine, and I can't wait to share my behavior cases, training revelations, and general geekery with you. Let's get started. Okay, friends, I've got a case study for you. This one is Keen the Border Collie, and he's one of my favorites. So let's get into it. Keen's a purebred neutered male Border Collie. He was imported to the U.S. at age 12 weeks from Ireland. He was acquired by my client, Jenna, at age six months. He was intact at the time. He was neutered around a year of age by Jenna's veterinarian. When she got him, she really considered him sort of an odd young dog, but not, not abnormal because border collies are kind of weird, right? And Jenna is a border collie person. She didn't expect him to be um, kind of a flat tempered kind of guy. He presented with some GI abnormalities uh, that were a little tough to figure out. He was a little worried about surfaces. He had a hard time settling down. He also exhibited some shadow chasing or pawing at shiny surfaces. And he was medicated for that pretty successfully. Jenna worked closely with a veterinary behaviorist to get that done. And those behaviors did go away with medication. I do find those kinds of compulsive shadow obsession types of behaviors to be best treated by medication. That's my anecdotal experience. And that's also what the veterinary behaviorists that are kind of in my corner have shared. At the time that we started coaching, he was he was on a different medication. He had been switched over due to the veterinary behaviorist recommendations. I'm not going to go into detail on what meds he's on or what meds he had been on. I'm going to leave that up to the veterinary professionals to talk about if they choose. But it's good to know that Keen was on an SSRI as well as kind of an as needed medication and his inability to settle in the home was definitely something that went up and down and never really resolved on the meds. None of that is why Jenna approached me. That was pretty well under control. Jenna was really clear that she did not expect a miracle from me at all. She had already done pretty much everything that she knew how to do for Keen. And Jenna is no slouch. She's a professional dog trainer herself. She's a good one. She was doing pretty much all the right things for Keen. So she wasn't looking for a miracle. She kind of voiced that she was looking for maybe validation on what she was doing. And any advice I happen to have on changes that she could make that could possibly help Keen. He had some human and dog directed aggression as the primary complaint. So that was the stuff that Jenna was really hoping to make some adjustments on if she could. His world was kind of becoming smaller and smaller. She's a person who likes to keep her dog's world big. She likes to do sports. She likes to go to classes. She likes to hike them. And his world was needing to get really, really small. And it was frustrating for her because she was working so hard to take care of him. If he was off leash, so just some details on the aggression. If he was off leash, he would rush at a person up to 500 yards in the distance. He could typically be called off um, of those people. His recall was good. Jenna would typically take him in remote areas only. So like she'd try to never let this happen. But when you're in remote areas, 
you're almost set up to be surprised. Like if you don't think somebody's coming, you will let your guard down a little bit. You may not notice that there's somebody 500 yards in the distance and then your aggressive dog might notice that before you do. If he was on leash, um, he would lunge or snap at a person. He'd usually go for faces. He never made contact with anybody, but the desire to go vertical, to go straight at the person's face is really concerning. And so she, Jenna really stopped taking him very many places on leash. So most of his outings, as we'll talk about when we get into wellness, were outside off leash types of spaces. One of the kind of tipping points that made everything change was that Keen was at a scent work day and he did go after and bite at a woman in that situation. She surprised him and that does seem to be the primary trigger for Keen. It's not just presence of a person equals aggression. It is person surprises Keen equals aggression. With other dogs, he would kind of circle them and snap at them and like dart in at them, that kind of rude thing that sometimes lay people might label herding behavior just because they're seeing it in a herding breed and people who kind of know herding and know herding breeds are kind of going, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> I've never seen a dog treat a sheep like that, right? And so in general, Jenna started having him avoid interacting with novel dogs. His other issues, again, were inability to settle in the home. He had what seemed to be extreme responses to minor stressors. And I put minor in quotations because, of course, that's up to the individual to say what is minor. But something might happen that day that would just set him into needing to lay on top of Jenna and like be in her skin and be held because he's beside himself. And it would be like a normal occurrence, like it's trash day or something like that. He had kind of an inability to decompress on those off-leash walks. So when I talk about off-leash walks, I talk about wanting the dog to really come down from all the stressors in their life because of the walk. And that was just not true for Keen. He had a really hard time to uh, hard time sniffing or wandering or being a dog out on these walks. If he's off leash, he would obsessively bounce at and in front of Jenna, kind of begging her to give him work or give him direction. Jenna was going to very extreme measures to signal him that she was not available. So like she was looking at her handheld on her GPS or at her phone the entire time she was out walking because if she looked up he'd come in and seek that eye contact from her and bounce up and down and be ridiculous with other dogs he would of course obsessively circle and chase them and those are known dogs because she doesn't walk in with dogs he doesn't know he also exhibited and this might seem unrelated but we'll get into it early takeoff behaviors and agility so he would jump way too soon at uh, jump bars and so she stopped doing agility with him as well because of his of his safety concerns with the ETO. So as you know, the format for my case studies is that I give you that background and then we dive into our wellness piece. And for episode two, we will get into the nitty gritty of kind of what we did. So here's our wellness bits for Keen. His exercise that was in place when I started with Jenna was... 90 minutes to two hours minimum daily off-leash in nature free of triggers. Okay, every single day, usually two hours off-leash in nature away from triggers. 
Jenna going to extreme measures to keep him from bouncing and being ridiculous in front of her. So we changed it because that's usually the ideal. That's usually what these dogs need is lots of time off leash in nature. If you're already doing that and you're not seeing what you want to be seeing, you need to change it because behavior is a study of one. So she and I talked a lot about this. And we decided that because he would sniff and wander if he was on leash, she would put him on a leash or a long line for those walks. Now, she hates that answer. I hate that answer. Nobody likes to hold a leash when you're used to not holding one. But she did it. She's very dedicated. And that started that that seemed to help a little bit in the beginning. We also added high intensity exercise to his life. So this is something that I don't always add. I actually usually subtract if it's present in a dog's life and they show up for coaching. And again, though, it's a dial that we can turn up or down and it really depends on the individual case. So for Keen, he didn't have any high intensity exercise. He had this awesome off-leash time in nature and he had obedience training, scent work training but he didn't have any opportunities to really, really run in a kind of brain off, arousal up, adrenaline up kind of way. So we layered in high intensity exercise. We layered in uh, Frisbee. So Jenna would do, you know, very layperson iterations of discs. So basically throwing a Frisbee really far, many times in a park. I also had Jenna give bike drawing a try with him. So she got the harness attachment, attached it to the bike and attempted to teach him to run ahead on the bike. We did that by running to having him run to a dead toy. And as long as he knew that he was running at a dead toy, he could run for several yards straight, but we never successfully transitioned him to running on a trail. And because of his, because of his behavioral concerns, because of his aggression towards people and dogs, He wasn't a safe dog to just go bike door with if he didn't have a kind of dedicated thing to think about. The Frisbee was safe because he could literally ignore triggers if he was engaged in that game with Jenna. So sometimes for these dogs, so Border Collies, other working breeds that are bred to run really fast, really hard, really use their bodies in an intense way. Sometimes with these dogs, If they're missing that in their life, you have to put it in their life. Most of my client dogs are involved in some way in in having that in their lives. So for instance, Felix has that in his life in dog agility. And so I don't take him to the park and throw a chuck it ball, although he would be really happy about that if I did because I don't want to tip the scale towards too much of that kind of adrenalizing activity for him, but he does have to have some, he does have to have some of it to be kind of mentally healthy and safe in his own mind. And I find that to be true with the vast majority of my client dogs is that they need both things. They need that decompression type exercise, and they also need high intensity exercise kind of what I loosely call it is the HIE high intensity exercise. What we noticed with Keen is that, you know, we jokingly said that the fire was out in his brain after he chased the Frisbee enough times. He could then, it wasn't like run him into exhaustion and now he can't aggress. I want to be very clear that that's not what we were doing. His face would relax. 
He'd go home and sleep. He'd act like he decompressed when he didn't act like that after two hours in the woods, the way that I'd like him to. So that's how we tweaked the exercise. His his off-leash time in nature became on-leash time in nature. And we added in that high-intensity exercise as well. For enrichment, Keen was pretty much already eyeballs deep in any kind of food-based enrichment that you could have. He never ate from a bowl. He was trained several times daily. A lot of his calories came through training. He was also provided hard chewing opportunities. And so what we discussed was kind of adding scent-based training projects to add that next little level of enrichment for him. Nutrition, um, his GI had been normalized through raw diet implementation. So I let Jenna kind of do her on, on that front. She and I did talk about his GI just to make sure that it was continuing to be kind of healthy and normal. Most of his intake was freeze-dried raw because most of it was through training. As far as communication goes, Jenna was already doing a pretty good job here, just like she was doing a good job in every area, which is why Keen's behavior is so troubling. She already had kind of this extensive marker system and uh, Keen had this really robust behavioral repertoire, which is a huge factor in your dog's prognosis. If your dog knows a lot of stuff, they are going to do better in a BMOD program than if they don't. And Keen knew a lot of stuff. I did have Jenna implement smart times 50, which is C mark and reward training times 50, which is catch the dog doing something right 50 times a day or more. And generally speaking, that's already kind of how she lives her life. So that was not a huge change for her. But I also implemented I plus R, which is my system that stands for instruct and reinforce, which is essentially if you see the dog doing something you don't like, or you see the dog thinking about doing something you don't like, ask them to do something else and then reinforce that choice. I plus R will come in with our actual intentional BMOD um, attempts, but it was put in in his life um, ahead of time to kind of introduce Jenna to way of way of being and living with her dog. So for episode one, what I want you to know is that Jenna's a great trainer. She's doing a lot right. And Keen was not rewarding her for her efforts at all. <laughs> um, he strikes me immediately as a complex case where I believe we are missing something. And spoiler alert, we were. He's a dream to train. Due to Jenna's kind of hard work on his daily life, he's relatively easy to live with too, but that was not without effort. That was definitely due to her kind of managing his life in such a way that he was always able to be either engaged in a task or clearly, clearly supposed to be relaxing. Jenna's goals were modest goals. I mean, Jenna just wanted to know if she, if there was something better that she could be doing and she didn't expect a miracle, but she did want to shrink his bubble around people. 500 yards is kind of ridiculous, kind of a lot to ask, right? So really, she really wanted to shrink that bubble. He was kind of flipping everything on its head that she knew to be true about dogs. And to be honest, when I look at this case and I see all the wellness that's in place and I see everything she's doing for him. I agree. He flips a lot of what I teach on its head, which is why I thought we were missing something. 
we wound up tackling the stranger directed aggression. That's the big thing that we did with the variety of therapies. I'm going to go into those therapies in the next episode. And then we did uncover that missing piece that I was sure that we were missing. And it took us some time and it took Jenna's dedication and it took a really great veterinary team and we did uncover it. So there's a lot of great stuff coming for you in this series. In the next episode, we will get into that nitty gritty on the behavior modification. We will talk about what we did about a stranger directed aggression, his dog directed aggression. And we will also go into how we uncovered that missing link and what that missing piece was. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. If you'd like to support this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio. You might even hear me answer your question on the show. For more content like the stuff you heard here, check out my online courses at cog-dog-classroom.teachable.com.